Alrighty, Creekcast. We've got a fucking good one coming up here. It's uh it's a review um of a game that I wasn't expecting to go as well as it did. Hoping for a win, obviously, but one that went as fantastic as that one did and all the signs we saw of what Port Adelaide football in twenty twenty three could be, um, was on show, you know. Um, I think the start of this really is talking about the disparity between expectations and reality and and kind of, unfortunately, what has been Port Adelaide footy in the last few years has been a large discrepancy between um, what our best footy can be and what our worst can be. And and that's kind of where the unease coming into round one came from. Um, you certainly probably heard anyone that listened, and I appreciate all that listened to the preview stuff. Um, surprising amount of downloads considering I hadn't been around for a few months, um, so I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, Anyone that listened to that, and anyone, and probably any, even if you didn't listen to that, the general overview uh, going into round one this year was uh, unease. Not so much with you know we knew the, what we could be, but there was also the unease with how we performed in preseason, um, and that was just I guess you know between internal trial it was a bit scrappy, um, and then the games get over in the west against Fremantle and West Coast were you know a, a bit disappointing as well, and we weren't exactly sure what we'd seen, but. Um, I mean, credit where it's due um, to Hinckley, who, you know, like I said, I'll cr- criticise him um, when I feel the need to, and I certainly have in the past, um, contrary to what the uh, trolls that are probably listening, because um, that's what they do, weirdly. Um, so day to the people that seem to hate us, but listen to us anyway. Um, thanks for listening. Um, but, you know, we criticise him a lot over the past few years. Uh, we certainly have, and he's copped a lot of it. But, um, you know, credit where it's due to the fact that he did call... Um, I think Friday pre-game press conference stuff. You know, he said, you know, despite the fact that we've had a, uh, you know, the games that have been televised and what the limited thing that some people have seen, you know, the, the media and stuff that go off just watching one preseason game or a couple. Um, he said the the longevity of like the overall preseason, you know, the two to three months we've done leading in, they've felt really good about it. The coaches have felt really confident in what they've been doing and the things they've been working on, um, and to take all of your expectations from Port from those games. He understood it. He said, you know, I get it. They, they weren't good. Um, but the overall preseason, they, they felt there was, there was some confidence in what they'd been doing, that um, this kind of performance that we en- ended up having against Brisbane uh, was available as well. And, you know, he said that in his post-game as well. He said, look, you know, because some people asked, you know, what we expecting this? He said, look, we, we internally knew this was there. We just had to execute. And um, so, you know, credit to him for... Uh, you know, having that uh, kind of, you know, trusting in the process, I guess. Um, obviously, going forward, it would be the consistency of performance week to week. But for now, we're just look, talking about week one. Um, that is, you know, you just, you just got to take that on board for what it is as, as, an, as an incredible result and, and, and an incredible result for the coaching and the players and everyone involved that they, they kind of stuck to their guns and, and knew that was, this was there and um, against... Uh, an opposition that, you know, pre-season premiership fancy. I think most people have them in their top four for the year, um, pre-season anyway. So, you know, it's not like we were just coming out and beating, a, you know, an average squad by 54 points at home. We were beating one of the one of the um, squads that has a lot of expectation on it for 2023 um, uh, uh, pretty handily and, and, and in a dominant fashion in all facets of the game. So, you know, that was incredible. Um I mean, talking about that, just uh, we'll get into some of the um, stuff, the intricate stuff in a little bit. Well, intricate for me is, um, I guess, a relative term. Um, but uh, you know, share sport Adelaide podcast on the webs of obviously. Um, but uh, you know, it was 
an incredible, incredible third quarter. I was just thinking about this, kind of coming into recording this, and I'm making some notes. Um, you know, one of the best ever quarters under Hinkley that we've seen. Um, you know, we look at the demolition job we did on, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, Fremantle. Um, Richmond in 2014, we played Fremantle in those finals as well and, and had some pretty dominant periods there, but just the absolute demolition job we could do in one quarter. Um, this third quarter kind of reminded me of that first quarter against, um, I was about to say Fremantle again, Richmond. Um, and similarly, um, probably in more recent history, we look at that quarterfinal, uh, a qualifying final against Geelong um, in 2021, um, you know, we just completely, you know, had the game put to bed more or less at half time due to just an absolute domination and just kind of all facets of the game and playing to the strengths of what we've been doing over the last couple of years which is you know complete control and out muscled in the midfield um allowing our defense to kind of play a bit higher and and you know the intercept game and all that stuff happening um and you know you know rebound backs you know the likes of Burton and co being able to do what they do which is um you know, while they're, you know, taking their forwards and taking them out of the game, they're also able to play a little bit of, you know, re, you know start the start the scoring chains from the off, uh, defensive side. And you know, we saw a lot of that um, in this game against Brisbane as well. So, you know, just one of those more... And the entire second half was domination, but uh, particularly... Um, if there's a little bit of background noise, by the way, it's very rainy and windy here in LA today. So um, that's what's happening. Um but, uh, you know, just, you know, one of the more dominating halves and quarters of footy that we've seen uh, Port Adelaide do. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen it against shit teams, but I think you look at the team when you can actually do it against um, what is quality opposition. Um, that's really, a really an impressive uh, facet of the game. So that's probably the, you know, the number one thing I took out of it was just how good we looked against good opposition. You know, the flat track bully thing was a was a theme. Um you know, in recent years, uh, particularly 2021, when we really, we just, we were struggling to beat the teams that are meant to be around our mark, and um, and we've just done, we've done a number on one of them um, in week one. Um, obviously, the season will go on, and if Brisbane just fall out of the top eight for some reason, I don't expect that, and they're just too good of a side to do that, but, um, but you know, you can only beat who's in front of you, and, and week one, Brisbane were one of the premiership fancies, and uh, we did a demolition job on them, so you just got to take that for what it is, and that's an incredible start to the season. I thought it was interesting early on, um, well, no, not early on, no, just pre-game, and this is something I noticed when I was watching, just watching back some AFL 360 uh, from Monday night where Hinkley was on there. I don't always watch AFL 360, it's, you know, it's a little bit Victorian biased, but I do like to, I mean, I watch it often just to keep, it's a way of keeping up with what's going on across the border, because um, they'll tell you. Um, as well as I, like, I do like um, whenever Hinkley does pop on there, I like to watch it and see what he's got to say in that kind of setting, it's a different kind of interview setting comparatively to, you know, pre- and post-game, the official press conference stuff, they're a little bit, they take a little bit of a different tack to how they're talking about things and um, can be a little bit more open. And so I did um, enjoy, they did kind of um, touch on, uh, the you know, Robbo and Jared asked, uh, they had the footage of the pre-game um, of, you know, Ken getting the, uh, the players into a huddle, like in a circle, um, kind of like singing the song, so to speak, but pre-game. And he got in the middle of there, middle of them, and um, and he basically kind of asked what was going on there. What was your pregame um, idea here? And he kind of just said, you know, it's um, you know, he wanted to get them all. You know, sometimes when they're in their groups and stuff, you don't always get to talk to each one individually or, or feel like you're getting each one's attention. So he wanted all the players in that circle. Um, you know, Evans was in there, and every every single player that was going to be involved in game day was on there, um, in there, and uh, he wanted to talk to them each and see see into their eyes and implore the importance of the day. Um, you know, about 
doing it for the fans, doing it for, the, for themselves as well, but just the importance of the day. It was only, and he mentioned it was only his third home opener in 11 seasons, which is wild. You know, you, I always, in my head, I always think we get one and then we don't, but then I've realized there is a few, you know, we do have a couple of years in a row where we're always opening away. Um, and that's, I don't know what, dealing that, why where that happens, but he was, he kind of seemed to take a little bit of importance in the fact that he was getting a home opener for only the third time in, um, in his 11 years as a port coach. And, um, you know, to do it for the people that are there, the fans, take on that energy, thrive on that energy, use it um, to put in a good performance and, and, you know, do it for the fans, but as well as yourselves and take some pride in your performance and uh, and he really seemed to implore that. And you could see the, the players were, you know, locked in and, and, you know, we look at the way we started um, and you can say that, you know, we've had some criticism over slow starts over the past few years and, you know, trying to do that every week, I'm sure the same tact won't work every week. So it'll be... Um, you know, the onus is on the coaches and the players as well to, you know, get that preparation right each week. But, you know, what, <laughs> take a lot of things from this week, please, because it, it worked um, and it worked really well. And, you know, the intent early was fantastic. You know, we were we were on it from the start. You know, it was great to see Horn Francis in there getting the first possession. And then Rioli was um, a, few, a couple a possession or two later, was getting it back to Horn Francis. And then we're getting out, out of the middle and, get, and getting a goal to Marshall early on. Um and then Horn Francis gets that goal and really lights up the place. I mean, and you know, you get an early early look at what Horn front the kind of the muscle and the strength and the and the run and power of um, of JHF there with the way he kind of evades a couple of half ass tackles and and gets just gets it on the boot and gets it to the hot hot area and you know that's that's the thing with um you know it's a hundred percent of shots uh, not taken out scored uh, Michael Scott uh, Wayne Gretzky but you know there's he was just getting into the hot spot and probably looking for, you know, just getting it to the top of the top of the square and um, seeing if uh, what likes a marshal or someone can can uh, get a goal. But if you get it, you get it in there, and then you're every chance of something like that happening where Marshall's battling it out with his with his opposition defender, and and the ball just gets a little bit over the top and, and rolls through for a goal. So that's that's um, one of the little magic things about AFL footy that, that how it can happen, and um, certainly a deserved goal. And um, you know the intent was good early, but you know it was. Um, it was a little bit of the fear of last, you know, ghosts of seasons past coming up when we started to spray a few, um, you know, and we were missing. And, and whereas Brisbane, with their few looks that they were getting, um, were scoring. And I think at one point we were three goals, eight to four, one, or maybe five, one, I can't remember. But, you know, it just looked, you know, after that great early start and, um, you know, we, we, we looked good. They just... You know, when you get Oscar McInerney take a mark outside 50 and just hook one hook one in from, you know, kind of really nothing out of, you know, against the run of play a little bit early on there. Um, you know, your heads can kind of drop a little bit and you think, oh, geez, they're just kicking them out of everywhere. And, you know, he's kicking one. And then, you know, Danaher's taking a one-arm mark, um, you know, kind of with Burton in front of him. And, you know, Burton was trying to swallow there. But you, you kind of got the, there was a little sniff of, oh, God, if the, big, the bigs can get away from us and they can start getting a little bit of control in midfield. Um then we're in trouble here, um, and particularly the fact that they were just kicking them straight. You know, Ashcroft, uh, the debutant, um, you know, highly, highly touted, little fancy for Brisbane there, and I'm sure he's going to have a great career. But you know, he he snaps one from 45 out, and then and then um, Connor McKenna's come back into the the league after a year or two away. Um, I think he was at Essendon before, but he he just fucking absolutely rails one from 55 out on an eight, on you know a decent angle as well. And, you know, just they're just kicking them from everywhere. And you just think if we don't, you know, match the pressure that they're starting to build here as it went into the second quarter and they really started getting a run on, 
um, and we couldn't and we just kept on missing um, missing some relatively easy opportunities um, you know Dixon was you know Dixon um, and I'll get to the good points of Dixon and I think you know there's been some, been some discussion about how Dick, well Dixon played because he's been getting into some people's team of the weeks and some people don't get it but I'll put some defense on that because I do get it I think um, but you know there was we were just missing um, some opportunities there in the second quarter and you know it kind of looked um, like it might get away from us it was starting to look familiar um, I know and and that's you know port fans we could say you know we've got to not panic so but you know it's, it's just, we've seen a lot of these signs in the past few years of a team that um you know can wilt a little bit um when the, when this kind of stuff starts happening and and we were looking for a response so it was an understandable thing to be a little bit worried about um you know in that uh, second quarter as as they were getting their run going but it, it, it never felt like they were um it never felt like Brisbane were truly switched on and about to start playing their best footy. It just looked like we were we just dropped off a touch, um, and they were getting a little bit of a run on. But it, it didn't. It, it's weird. It didn't feel like the absolute you know walls were you know falling in and you know everything was you know coming in um, like the fucking you know like a like a. It didn't really feel like um, the end of times there. It just felt like we were struggling a little bit, and if we could just get a little bit of run back. Um, and get a little bit of the ball back and control back that we could do some damage because it all, all overall it still felt like we were uh you know the better team in a way and i know that sounds weird because that second quarter was pre- and that second quarter was rough where they were starting to run over the top of us but it didn't feel like it felt like a brisbane side that is at its absolute best um as we've seen in you know years past playing up there when they get a run on they really get a run on and, you know we, we were holding danaher we were holding hipwood um, I think they had a goal each. Um, you know, Oscar McInerney had a goal, and that was about it. You know, we weren't. They weren't. Um, you know, Gunston was. You know, struggling. You know, he was getting siders, but he wasn't. You know, they, with a forward line that had the talent, they they did. We were holding them. They were getting. You know, there's some goals coming, but they we just. It didn't feel like we're letting off the hook like they did in recent years, and um, it just felt like we just needed to get a bit more of our game back, and and really that's what happened. So I guess my thing with the uh, the end of the second half, uh, second quarter, and uh, you know the thing we've asked for a lot in the past, and it's p- particularly last year when things were really going rough, uh, was we just want to see responses to the um, adversity that we sometimes get ourselves into in these situations, and that's what I really, you know, the, one of the things I take out of this is we we got challenged in that second quarter, um, and but we responded, and I find it interesting um, timing and kind of staying in games because we we saw last year. I think the thing that we often were complaining about was those late goals we conceded. We'd sometimes have a good quarter, not quite take. We probably didn't take the initiative enough last year either. But we'd have a decent quarter. We'd get a goal or two. We'd be in the game, and then we'd get give up a late goal in the quarter. And it just felt like we were just let, we were just letting that pressure valve off too much. Um, and, you know, I don't know, timing in quarters, because, you know, goals just happen, you know, you're always trying to score, but it is interesting to me, because uh, we there is, you know, tactics and things in, at play in late in quarters and how teams try to run it out, you know, when they put the signs up, and depending on what the situation of the game is, you know, they'll either try to slow down the ball and take take on board what they've got, or they'll, they'll push forward and look for something. Um, and it's, you know, something we've not seen us do enough when we're in a position to try to, you know, gain back control in a game. But I really enjoyed the fact that we did, um, you know, have a crack. And I kind of take it um, now for people that, you know, people that know NFL um, or American football will understand what I'm talking about, but I'll try to explain it in a way that makes it 
Um, if you just don't know don't know anything about the NFL, then I'll try to explain as best as I can my point here. But you know, in the NFL, um, you know, it's not both set. You know, it's not offense. You know, it's not like football when everyone's on the field all the time. In the NFL, it's offense, defense. Um, one team's offense is on the field, the other team's defense is on the field. So when you toss the coin at the start of the game, whoever wins the you know the toss of the coin gets to choose if they go on offense or defense to start the game, and then whatever they choose then is the opposite at the start of the third, the second half. Um, you'll see um, a team will choose to if they choose to. Um, some teams like to choose to defer where they'll. Um, play defense to start the game, but then they get the ball to start the third quarter um, because they want, they're hoping, depending on how they work the game, well, they just want to have a chance to score at the start of the third quarter. But often teams you'll see will try to, uh, you know, score at the end of the second quarter and then score again at the start of the third quarter. And essentially it's a 14 point swing, swing in, you know, NFL scoring. Um, where they'll score, you know, you know, maybe they'll be, you know, the, the situation is a team could be maybe, you know, two touchdowns down, um, you know, with about three minutes to go in the second quarter. They score at the end of the second quarter, and then they come out and get the ball at the start of the third, and they score again, and suddenly they've taken a two-touchdown deficit and, and tied the game up, or maybe they've gone ahead, or maybe they've just closed the gap. But there's this kind of idea that you can really change a game in a limited space of actual game time just with how the timing works. And I find that interesting. I feel like I've gone overboard in how I try to explain that. But my parallel is, you know, at the end of the second quarter, we really, we you know, pushed forward and got Dixon, who'd, who'd struggled as far as goal kicking had gone, but I think it was actually so important to our structure in that second quarter and throughout the game, as far as he was, I mean, he, he was taking their best defender in Harris Andrews and really having a battle with him and stri- fr- frustrating Andrews, um, which is great to see Dixon win a battle like that. And I think he won it. Um, you know, three goals, three at the end of the game, 10 marks, six contested. Um, you know, the free kick sucked, but, you know, uh, and he was he was understandably frustrated. And he, um, Ken Hinckley said he did get a, give him a bit of a spray, but understandable. But, yeah, we push forward. Dixon gets that goal at the end of the end of the second quarter, you know, after the siren, um, and takes an 18-point deficit and reduces it down to um, 12. And then we come out of the... Um, yeah, you know, at the start of the third quarter, get the ball quickly forward, and uh, and score a goal again. And suddenly, within a minute, I think it's you know, I think Marshall takes that first mark of the uh, the third quarter about I don't know, fifteen to twenty seconds into the quarter. Um, you know, Dixon kicks that goal after the siren. So essentially, within a minute of play, we've taken an eighteen point deficit. Which you know, at, you know, going into the um, halftime, if that had been what it was, was it was a decent deficit. It was it was manageable, but it would have been a bit more difficult. But suddenly. You know, a minute into the third quarter, we're only down by six when it was looking a little bit rougher earlier. So it's timing, it's intent, it's how you, you know, play out the half, depending on the situational stuff. And I think we just played it perfectly. Obviously, everything's going to come together and it's a little bit more random in AFL than it is NFL. But there was, I, I just as someone that watches a lot of American football as well, I found it interesting to see kind of how we approached the end of the second quarter and then went into the, the intent at the, th- at the third quarter. And and then, as we saw, the intent was there, and um, we and we really just um, went to town and had a little bit of a opening day party as as the third quarter um, ran on. All right, our third quarter, and just everything that happened after halftime was a fucking masterpiece. It was Michelangelo taking a paintbrush to the Sistine Chapel. 
beautiful to watch. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, to be honest. You know, as I said, the expectation going into this week was just hope we can get a win. Um, you know, and just a good, like, you know, expectation was a good performance. Um, obviously, hopefully four points, but, you know, if we'd lost in a, you know, one of those after the siren classics, you know, a, you know, just one of those classic top four stouches, um, you know, I wouldn't. I would have been disappointed, but you would have. You know, I still, as I do, you know, look into losses. If we're, you know, I try to find the good and the bad and the ugly in, in any game. Um, but I don't think anyone going into this week um, was expecting us to end up running out fifty-four point winners. And arguably, it could have been worse. You know, um, I mentioned the goal kicking early. We did we we did correct the ship there pretty well late. You know, we were three goals eight at one point. We ended up eighteen goals eighteen. So, um, you know, essentially 15, you know, 15 goals, 10 um, after the being down uh, three, uh, you know, with three goals, eight on the board at one point. So, you know, a decent turnaround um, after that. But, you know, just when you just actually think about that, 36 scoring shots to uh, let me just get um, the, the the Brisbane score up again. You know, 36 scoring shots to 17. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually unreal. That's, uh, um, you know... I'm, an absolute demolition job. So, you know, it's really Brisbane's um, good goal kicking early, particularly when they were eight goals three at halftime. Um, you know, to hold them to three goals three after halftime and kick, I'm just doing quick math as I go, 13 goals nine to three goals three after halftime is an incredible. Um, I mean, let me just repeat that. 13 goals, 13 goals nine to three goals three. That's an incredible job defensively. And just overall um, job on the ball. And again, we could we could have been it could have been so much worse for Brisbane if we kicked straight early and then continued to kick straight. You know, you're looking at 20 goals plus um, and an easy you know 10 to 14 goal win. As it is, it's a nine goal win and an incredible result against a side that um, you know is very good. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wish for more. But you know, obviously you start looking at when you when you've got a little demolition job on your hands, you always look for one more, don't you? And I guess we got that one more after this, after the siren goals um, three three quarters in a row, which was incredible um, with that Lockie Jones one um, to finish off the game. In particular, um, it's great to see Lockie Jones get three goals on the board and kind of continue to show his growth as a footballer as well as versatility. You know, we, you know we've used him in the defensive line and off half back early in his career. He's played. He's you know he's had his little touches in the midfield and then we throw him up forward and he. Um, players that just pressure, you know, and he's just, um, you know, he's an incredible body to have in there as well as just his um, ability to mark and kick. Um, just a good good little um, sign. And, and that's what the, really the, the defining factor of the third quarter was, um, was this, the, you know, the signs for the future. You know, we start the third quarter with um, Rosie Butters and and uh, Owen Francis, obviously, in the middle and, and, and kind of see um, what the glimpses of the future and what this side can be. And, you know, when we look at our best players for the day, you know, Horn Francis, Rosie, Butters, you know, they're all in the you know, listed of what's best. And obviously, Horn Francis was best on the ground. Um, you know, and this is even taken away from the fact that Ollie Wine still got his 29 touches, I think, um, in this game. And, and uh, but, you know, it's Horn Francis that kind of defined the contested ball and, and, um, you know, getting 25 touches in his debut for Port and looking, looking like a number one pick out there, um, looking like a number one pick, and uh, wise beyond his years, really. You know, the fact that this kid's only 19 years old, um, I look at that player and I look at him as looking, he looks like a 22, 23-year-old footballer really developing into who he can be. Um, and as, you know, Hinkley said in his post-game, he said, look, don't expect this every week. He might have his ups and downs as he as he you know, continues to grow as a footballer and learn and, and develop and, and work out how, you know, because the opposition are going to come after him a bit more maybe. Um, 
and you know we've seen the same with you know the Rosie and Butters. They had their ups and downs in the first few years, and they start to find it. Ollie Wines was the same. I said that in my pre-match, uh, pre my preview last week. I said you know Wines had a similar kind of uh, you know rapping on him um, early in his career as a future Brownlow winner. People were calling that, um, but uh, you know it, it took years to develop actually the consistency, and that's going to be the same for Horn Francis. But you know what a debut. You know it gives him it gives him a mark already. He knows what he can do how he can fit into the side and, and you know yeah it's it's great for us to have him come in. Um, you know, when we were talking about, you know, when we think back to last off season and trying to get some midfield grunt in there or trying to think, oh, is it gonna be Dunkley or who who is it gonna be? The fact that it ended up being the number one pictures from a year a year and a half ago now, um, and it's just suddenly our midfield just feels reborn. Um, you know, and this isn't even taken away from the likes of, you know, Willem Drew doing a real good defensive stopper job in there, collecting twenty disposals quietly. Um, and again, I said Wines was in, Wines was involved and important. You know, Butters looks to be wearing that number nine jersey really fucking nicely. I said jersey. I know people are going to crack on that. I, I I say all the time. I like I watch a lot of sports. I'm going to interact. I'm going to swap between jersey and Guernsey um, quite interchangeably. Um, you know, you know, Butters just wearing that number nine on his back and looking looking real good. And then Horn Francis, you know, wearing Butters old number and. And making that look good as well, and you know, number eighteen's got a decent history at Port as well. So, um, but yeah, there's just that third quarter is just amazing. Um, I will go back. I will switch back a little bit and go back to the second quarter when we look at uh, um, the game. And I want to just touch on Dixon again. Um, I think his job uh, again. I've, I've mentioned his stats already: three goals, three the ten marks, six contested. But I think his job in Harris Andrews was really important. Um, in the overall structure of the game. Um, and and so Dixon's been named in a couple. I think SEN was one of them, but I think there was another one as well that Dixon was named at, um, in the team of the week. I've seen some people on Twitter, and understandably so, say, how is Dixon in the side? Um, I think a lot of people look at what Marshall did, four goals, one, and think he should be in the side. But I think what Dixon did, Marshall's goals, he kicked that one to start the game, then wasn't sided too much um, until the third quarter. Uh, whereas Dixon was, he was clunking marks and and really contesting and and fighting hard in that second quarter when we were trying to. Yes, he did miss a couple of goals he should have gotten, and and that's always. And look, he's Dixon's what thirty three, thirty four now. We ain't we ain't improving his goal kicking too much more from this point. Um, but what he was doing as far as the strike, he was and Harris Andrews. We got to remember Harris Andrews has you know, had some pretty good games against us in recent memory. And uh, Dixon's had some struggles as well. And what Dixon did in this game was he really he looked fit. He looked he was really working Andrews to the ball. He was leading. He was um, marking well. Obviously, the six contested marks. And you know it's hard for forwards to you know we used to these numbers used to be impressive back in the nineties and early two thousands uh, for for a forward to take that many marks. And now we're talking the modern AFL in the tw- in twenty twenty three. You know th- these numbers are impressive. The free kick again bad. You know discipline. We've already talked about that, but. And he bounced back, and he took. He was kicking goals at the important points in the game. Um, that goal leading into halftime was really important to just get a little bit of belief back and 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 get it and get the game back on our terms. Again, the Brisbane had just kicked a goal late in the third quarter, and the lead was back. I think it was it was under four goals at that point. Brisbane could very easily have gotten a little bit of if they were switched on, as which they just didn't seem to be, and gotten um, you know gotten back on the board and kicked some, you know, if, if it had gone in just as what it was, they could have come out and kicked another goal at the start of the fourth quarter. And, and, and a reverse of what I was talking about with the second and third quarter timing thing with goals and the, the NFL analogy I made, 
could have been Brisbane's job. But then we go forward, and um, certainly um, Horn Francis, by the way, just wrapping up Hugh McCluggage, borderline all-Australian kind of midfield-level talent player, um, wrapping him up, and just and Hugh McCluggage tries to do, don't argue on him, <laughs> and and Horn Francis wraps him up, and McCluggage just like, yeah, no, you got me, son. And then Horn Francis just laces one out just perfectly onto the, into the breadbasket of Dixon. And again, Dixon kicks one after the siren. Um, or it might have just been the main, the siren was five seconds away from going. It was essentially, you know, last kick of the quarter anyway, um, certainly. And, uh, you know, he kicks an important goal again. It was just he was dictating, you know, he was taking the best defender of Brisbane. He was holding him up. He was really making the Brisbane defense have to work to try to stop him. And it was opening things up for all the... You know, Rioli kicking his three and, and really special, and I'll get to Rioli in a minute. Um, I'm going to do a couple of plays of the day because I couldn't just pick one. Um, but, you know, um, you know, and Marshall was able to open up and Marshall was able to get some space, and that's what that's what a good forward line does. One guy's doing one thing, one guy's doing another, so it doesn't take away from Marshall's game. He des- he's deservedly in their best players as well. Um, and certainly in the AFL website, they actually list Marshall as in the best, and Dixon's not even mentioned. So, you know, it's just interesting to see how, you know, different people, and I'm not saying... Dixon deserves to be in the, in the side over Marshall, or Marshall deserves to be in over one or the other. I'm just kind of doing a defense of Dixon here because, you know, I've seen people being like, how the fuck's he in the side? And uh, people are naming him in the side, and I can see it. And it's not, these are all things that are subjective. You know, it's not like it's an objective thing. People are having their opinions about who had an impact on the game, and I'm just kind of putting my case forward to how the impact of Dixon could be read. And people, and certainly if you watch the game back, I was watching it back, and the commentators and, you know, Jonathan Brown and, and, and Lyon and co were really. Putting, uh, whenever Dixon was pushing up, you know, he was pushing up into the wing and taking marks there as well, and really trying to find find the footy and and having a decent impact. And, you can, and they were saying they were impressed with how he was looking as well. So there was an eye test thing for Dixon beyond. Obviously, it would be nicer if he kicked five goals one uh, rather than the three three. But there was an eye test thing to what Dixon's game did um, that was really really impressive. And so I, that's the defense of why he's in that side. <laughs> Just, um, you know, there is a reason that some people saw that game as as, as impressive as, as it was. Just one more thing before I get to just a couple of the, the plays of the day and kind of finish out here. Um, I forgot to mention in my preview uh, how excited I was to see Bergman and uh, Miles uh, Horn Francis or uh, Jason Bergman, whatever you want to call him, that fucking Sunday mail shit was ridiculous. But anyway... Uh, I was really excited to see how Miles Bergman and Xavier Dersman would take over the the wing roles um, with Amon, you know, now gone, gone. Um, you know, it's a kind of a new dawn for uh, how our wing player is going to look. And, you know, you're starting and with Dersma fit as well. You know, he struggled last year with that injury in that opening round game against Brisbane, um, which <laughs> sliding doors things is, you know, it's amazing what can happen if you just get through a game fit and firing against the side rather than having everyone go down. Um but you know, really excited to see, uh, you know, kind of how this new this new wing pairing would work, and and you know, quietly they just quietly went about their work. They were they were, I really liked how they they worked with the the link up play when things were really starting were really starting to get running. Um, I thought both of them played really really well, and I'm I'm really excited to kind of see how they develop, and you know, hopefully Dersmer has a fit year, and same with Bergman as well. Um, but you can kind of see their role um, is. That's it's really their role to make their own um, this year, I think. And I'm really excited to see how they went. And I was really impressed with how they went in their first game playing those roles. So, um, yeah, and I guess I should just mention a few more things before I get to that. Defensively, obviously, um, I was a little bit worried in that second quarter when, you know, if they're getting a couple in and, you know, Danaher took that one-handed mark against uh, 
against Burton, I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, they're just going to the bigs are going just going to muscle and get these kind of opportunities, but they didn't. And um, you know, Aaliyah was able to really play that um, incredible kind of in, you know that that Aaliyah role we want him to play, where he's just roaming across that that fifty line, taking intercept marks, spoiling. He was just he was just you know that big Aaliyah smile on his face. He was playing the exact kind of footy he was born to play. Um, really impressed with that. And again, um, likes of Burton and Houston Co as well. Coming out of there, Burton had a really good game on um, on uh, Charlie Cameron down there, and really just we just their forward line was just um, not firing at any cylinders. Really, they got a couple of good ones, you know, Dick, you know that Danaher Mark and Burton again. Like I said, I thought that was gonna, I was, I was worried that it was like the start of you know Danaher having one of those games where he's just out muscling, but they they just didn't get the they didn't get the supply in, which obviously that's the main kind of important part of our, of how our defensive structure works is just we limit the supply through having the control of the midfield and then um and then you hope that the guys um you know if they're not getting their their free running roaming game in the forward line going then our, our, that's when our defense works at, at its best and um you know shout out to trent mckenzie who apparently um i can't remember if he sprained a fracture i can't remember what he exactly did to his ankle in that i guess it hopefully it wasn't a fracture because how he played out the game but apparently he sprained it i guess um, in that first quarter and played out the game, he's going to be out this week, and uh, I think I mean, I'm not exactly sure how long he's going to be out for, but um, yeah, great effort from him because I didn't even notice myself to be honest. Um, I'd had it; I was a few beers deep. It started at 10:30 um, Pacific time out here, so I was a few beers deep by the time the game got going. So <laughs> I wasn't noticing a little thing like that. But uh, yeah, um, just a shout out to the entire defensive team effort. Really, um, you know, Ray, and they were really heavily involved in kind of springboarding the attack it um you know you know so you can go with any cliches you want you know defense win premierships or whatever you want to say but you know for round one effort um and to quell a forward line and as i said in my preview going in i was like it's the biggest thing that i'll worry about is forward lines that have got those multiple tall threats like your hit woods and your danahers as well as you know oscar McInerney can pop up in there as well and you know they've got a lot and they've got a dangerous small forward line as you know like the likes of bailey and um you know, McCarthy and, um, you know, you got guys just popping up there and, you know, Rayner, you know, Charlie Cameron didn't score a goal. You know, Rayner wasn't, didn't pop up with a goal. He had a decent game, but, you know, overall we, um, we held, you know, what is a dangerous forward line to really barely a whimper. And that's, um, an incredible, incredible effort from the defensive side. So, you know, it's just all around this. This is one of those games that had an all round, um, incredible effort and you, you just couldn't fault anyone really. Um, with what they did on the on the weekend, really the only one you can fault is unfortunately Georgiades. Was again just doesn't look confident in front of goal, but you know who, I think he might get a run this weekend again. And, you know, he needs to start kicking it. He's getting he's getting the ball. He's just not kicking him. Um, so it's really frustrating because I think he's just such a once he starts kicking him, he's gonna he's gonna open up our forward line even more. Um, but you know when he he just needs to find that confidence and how we get that, it'll happen. You know all these guys, you know Marshall for a couple of years really struggled and. But it'll happen. It's just um, it, that's probably the only disappointing part of the weekend. Really, was you know Georgiades just again struggling in front of goal, and for a guy that I used to put down as one of the most the most trustworthy kicks early in his career, it's just it's really strange. But it'll come. It'll come for him. Um, he's too talented to, for it and to not. But whether it comes before he gets a stint down in the um, the resies, who knows? But yeah. Anyway, we'll get to the positive stuff to finish this off. All right, I couldn't just go with one for such a incredible opening round performance. Um, now I don't have any audio. I, I, I just haven't got my full podcast set up here yet, so it's purely my mic, my USB microphone plugged into the computer that I'm recording with. So I'm not putting any sound with it. That'll come soon. But um, 
with my play of the day, I just had to, there was a couple. I couldn't go with just one. Um, and my it's basically a uh, shout-out to the new boys. And also, shout out, before I get to these, shout-out to Francis Evans. He was really involved in that last quarter as well, and um, certainly you can see why he's um was a, a great little pickup, um, a low-key pickup compared to the high highly touted recruits. But um, shout-out to Francis Evans. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the side. Um, but, you know, the first one is Jason Horn Francis one. Again, incredible game from him to debut, and and show what he's got, uh, and, you know, incredible scene, seeing Fabian give him the jersey at the start of the game as well, jersey Guernsey. Um, I could have gone with his first goal as his player of the day, but I actually don't think that's it. The one that I loved was his uh, his um, his don't argue on Lockie Neal, and Lockie Neal just fell. Like, it was just, it just showed the strength that he's already got. He's running out of the, he's running out of the square about wanting to put a kick into the forward line, and deep into the forward line as well. Um, and Lockie Neal, Brownlow medalist, could have almost been a t- dual Brownlow medalist, all Australian, all the things that Lockie Neal is. Um, he just tries to get a tackle on him, and and Lockie Neal can't ma- can't match the speed, nor can he match the strength. And he gets just you know don't argued by Horn Francis, and just goes down, and Horn Francis doesn't even think twice. He just goes forward, doesn't even realise what he's done to one of the best players in the competition, and la- puts one right into the hot box again. Um, again, a goal. You know, if no one was in the square, it's just roll through for a goal. But um, the one goal for Mitch Georgiades on the day was him being in the square and ready for a uh, great Jason Horn Francis kick. And he had a few really decisive kicks inside 50. And obviously his score involvement speak for themselves. But, you know, that was just... That, for me, was the best Horn Francis player of the day. I just loved seeing what he could do to such a... You know, and, you know, I mentioned the tackle on Hugh McClogage that got a free kick out of it. And again, ended up in another goal. But yeah, that was just... Um, that play kind of, you know, really summed up the kind of freedom and bravery and... and, and um, you know, just playing on instant kind of footy we came with after half time and um, really just epitomised what we were doing um, in that one in that one play and just kind of epitomised what Jason Horn Francis can be as a player as well. Um, obviously, the other one um, and we were you know Junior Rioli recruitment was um, you know people were talking about not try, not that we don't want to pay too many too much overs for him um, coming into you know into the trade period last year because we didn't know exactly who where he was at with his footy. He'd played limited footy in the last couple of years, obviously, with the stuff happening off-field. Um, and it really was an ominous debut. He he was light, he looked fit and ready to play. He was um, kicking goals in all sorts of ways. You know, he got involved and was able to get a free kick out of for his first goal and just a, a good straight kick through the middle. But then that second kick with, um, you know, it could have been a mark of the year contender. I am not. I'm not. I'm on the fence. And whether he, you know, there's a lot of people that are talking about whether, you know, because the mark of the year contenders this week didn't include his, um, which is some pretty good marks this week. Um, I guess, you know, it was called a mark on the field. It, it's, it's tentative. I don't. I'm, I'm happy with it not being in the mark of the week contenders. Um, just gives him more opportunity to try and get himself in there because he's certainly got the ability to. But you know, to like have a player like that coming in and doing that. Um, um, you know, is is really exciting to take to take a mark like that, as it was called on the field, um, and then to do what he did with that selling the candy from the set shot. You know, that takes some balls to do something like that, and that's kind of when you're gonna have a complete um, football team that's um, hopefully capable of contending for a premiership. You need to have, you know, the guys that do their fundamental things and work about it quietly, but you need to have those real electric. Um, you know, play on instinct, play on um, play on the edge kind of players that can do something like that, and just to sell that kind of candy and just run in and kick a nice, comfortable one rather than one from maybe 45, 50 out 
was incredible and kind of just shows the kind of player we've got and the way he thinks through the game and the excitement he does and his little pump up and chest chest you know fist to the chest kind of to the crowd and and really just showed like what you know we saw horn how excited horn francis was to be back playing here and how excited Rioli looks to be um, playing here as well and the kind of excitement he can bring to the crowd and, you know, rounding it back to the start of the podcast and what Ken Hinckley was talking about, you know, uh, enjoy and make the crowd, you know, bring the crowd into it. You know, that was a kind of play that does it. And, um, you know, he kicks a nice goal in the third quarter as well as we're getting that run on. And, you know, three goals in his debut, um, you couldn't ask for much more. If we're just getting, you know, three goals out of Rioli every week, more or less, um, you know, we're going to be having a pretty good season. So... That was incredible. Um, not much more to say, really. Um, if I've missed anything, I apologise. I do. I usually miss something. That I've, and I have random thoughts as I'm thinking about the games, even if I'm just sitting eating dinner or something like that, and I try to note them down. But sometimes I miss them when I'm actually talking about it. But I think I've covered most of what made um, opening round for us uh, really fucking, fucking good. Um, so, yeah, come the pair. It's got me excited now that, you know, this is what's going to be going into this week is... Um, how we back up the performance against the Collingwood side that had hadn't had, you know, one of the more impressive wins of the opening round as well against obviously the defending premiers and, and they're up and about flag pies and all that shit on Twitter at the moment. So and you know deservedly so we're we're excited after our own one win and they deserve to be excited too. So um, that'll be the real test is backing up what we saw this week um, in probably one of the toughest away games that we'll play this year uh, based on their form after round one. Um, so but for now enjoy it, you know. We're off to, you know, <laughs> after last year and um, when we saw our opening couple of games on the on the fixture this year, I was just like, you know, my biggest fear was just starting with a loss and then maybe another one and suddenly you're starting and people are starting to remind you about your start from last year. But that's already put to bed. Positive vibes only right now. Car in the pair. Let's fucking get into it for week two. <laughs> 